Welcome to Super Heroes of Science. I'm Stephen. And I'm Sarah. We co-host Science from the Experts. Our guests are professionals doing cutting-edge science right now. They're experts in their field discussing what they know best. So listen up and learn real science from real people. Subscribe now and stay informed of our latest episodes and show your support. All right, so for today, our big question, the question we had was really all about meteorites. What are then all these different questions about? So we brought in an expert. We brought in Michelle Thompson, who's a planetary scientist and professor here at the Purdue University Department of Earth, Atmospheric, and Planetary Sciences to answer our questions. Great. So meteorites, like the one I'm holding here in my hand, they are rocks that have broken off of other planetary bodies and traveled through space survived their entry through Earth's atmosphere and landed here on the surface of Earth where we can collect them and, and study them. And meteorites come from, a lot of them come from asteroids, which are out in the main asteroid belt, but we also have meteorites from the moon and we have meteorites from planet Mars that we have collected here on Earth. See, we've been told that before and it still kind of blows me away that we could have a piece of another planet yeah. that has come to Earth. Yeah, it happens when there's a giant impact event or some big you know rocket collides with the surface of those planetary bodies and it can eject material out into the solar system and sometimes we get lucky and that uh, material that's been ejected gets into an earth crossing orbit and it'll actually come in and, and meet us here on earth on our surface and you said a part of a planetary body yes enjoying I'd really love for you to define what you mean by planetary body, because when I say a planetary body, they, oh, one of the planets. Yeah, so we do have meteorites from some planets, like Mars, and I consider the moon to be a planet. Uh, but meteorites really come from any terrestrial rocky body. So in theory, we could have meteorites from the surface of Mercury. We have a diversity of meteorites from all over the main asteroid belt. Uh, we're not going to get meteorites from the giant planets like uh, Saturn or Jupiter because those are gaseous bodies and, and we are not able to have rocks escape the atmospheres. It's very similar for Venus. It has a very thick atmosphere, so it's very hard to get rocks off the surface. Even with a large impact, it won't escape the atmosphere? It can, but it's, it's much less likely than, than something like Mercury or Mars, which has a very thin atmosphere or the moon. It, it, how do you know where it really came from? So that's a good point. We've actually had uh, meteorites here on Earth that we knew were from other planetary bodies, but didn't know exactly where. We can study their isotopic signatures, which is just a fancy way of saying what the elements are that we have in the minerals that, that are in these meteorite rocks. And we can match them to observations that we've made with spacecraft or rovers that have landed on the surface of those planets. So that's how we discovered we had meteorites from Mars. We sent a rover to Mars, it measured the composition of the atmosphere on Mars, and then we matched that to gases that were trapped in these tiny little mineral grains um, in rocks that, that actually ended up coming from Mars. For the moon, we have samples that were returned from the Apollo missions, and so we can match the composition of uh, our meteorites to the Apollo samples. And for other asteroidal bodies, we know that they come from, these meteorites come from asteroids because they have very, very primitive compositions Asteroids have not really evolved uh, through the history of the solar system, so they're much different than any rocks we find here on Earth, or even rocks from Mars or the Moon. Now, you have one with you, and I, uh, I do. Well, I almost said an asteroid, but a, lead, a meteorite. Yes. Right. It, it's 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 not a meteor at this point. It's meteorite. Yes. Yes. When it has landed on Earth and successfully trans transited through Earth's atmosphere, it becomes a meteorite. Do they start out bigger before they start to the atmosphere? Are they always, do they get burned up or do they 
What actually happens to a meteor as it enters our atmosphere? Yeah, usually they do start off as bigger uh, rocks or, or uh, a larger sample. And then as it transmits through Earth's atmosphere, the interaction with the atmosphere, it can cause heating on the exterior uh, of the sample. That's why the surface of the sample looks really dark and almost burned. That's from the melting that occurs as it comes in really fast through the atmosphere. And then oftentimes it will break up and the, and the larger rock will break up into many smaller pieces or fragments uh, as it's coming in through the atmosphere. And then we can actually collect different meteorites and match them together to know that they all were part of one uh, initial rock, uh, but then ended up as different pieces here on the surface of Earth. So it's not possible for different meteorites to just have the same composition? Uh, sometimes it's hard to tell if they are just from the same sort of group of meteorites, if they're from the exact same stone, but we look at things like texture, what the chemistry of the different minerals are, and then if they're found in the same area or within close proximity. And sometimes uh, we can actually see the meteorites coming in through the atmosphere and we can target or figure or pinpoint where we think they might have landed on the surface of the Earth. And then if we find multiple uh, meteorites in that area, we're pretty confident that they're from the same initial rock. That makes sense. Now, this meteorite in particular, when we first came we were visiting, there's some kind of special things about, especially that we can see from like a cross-section of that. Yes. So this meteorite is a carbonaceous chondrite. And carbonaceous chondrites are really exciting because they are some of the most primitive material that we have in the solar system. There are different components in here, and one of them is a an object called a calcium aluminum rich inclusion. And it's called that just because the minerals that we have in these in these tiny little inclusions are just rich in the elements of calcium and aluminum. And these are the very first things that condense out of our solar nebula. So they represent time zero or the very start of our solar system history. And so these are the oldest objects that you'll ever be able to hold. Uh, in uh, here on the surface of Earth. And they're also very exciting because this type of meteorite is called carbonaceous because it has organic molecules in it. And these organics are, are some of the first organic species that formed in the early solar system. And they may be representative of what types of molecules seeded life here on, on Earth. But when you say you're, you're using some terms that in some sciences are used a little differently. Yes. Because you use just the word species. Yes. And you're using organic. So well, yes. I think of organic and I'm like, oh, it's life. Mm. And so, but you're not finding something that's actually living in that. No. And it's, so it's not like a species of something living. But what do you mean by uh, organic and what do you mean by species? Yeah, so for organic, we just mean molecules that are composed predominantly of carbon, of hydrogen, and of oxygen. And by species, I just be different arrangements of those atoms into molecules. And so on Earth, we have tons of different organic species or types of organic molecules. In meteorites, they are often more limited because they were just what was stable uh, in the early solar system conditions. Uh -huh. okay. yep. We don't have rocks on Earth that could be this old? No, the oldest rock or mineral that we've dated on the surface of the earth is from an area in western australia and that dated it was a tiny little mineral of uh something called zircon and that dated to 4.4 billion years old and the calcium aluminum rich inclusions that we can date in these carbonaceous chondrates are 4.567 billion years old so the definitely uh the oldest thing in the solar system okay that, that, that's and fine <laughs> it's all right. So we have meteorites. Yeah. 
Canada, it's a meteor, or well, it's something. Now, are there, is anything out in space considered a meteor? I mean, how do you, what's a meteor? So meteors are uh, basically rocks or dust particles that are coming in through the atmosphere, which are completely ablated or burned up in the atmosphere and don't make it all the way to Earth. If you've ever seen a shooting star, that's a meteor. That's a dust particle or a small piece of rock that is coming in and hitting the Earth, but it's too small to survive its entry through the atmosphere. Uh, oh, okay. So I, I was thinking that a meteor was a, a meteorite just survived the transit, which yeah. does, but I, I was assumed it was a meteor before that. I was wrong. Well, I mean, technically it was a meteor during its phase through entry, but once it lands on the surface of the Earth, then it becomes a meteorite. Okay. okay. Now, to hit, um, okay, yeah, I want to go to what did you, what do you learn? Yeah. What, what, so what, why is it important to study meteorites and to study, you know, their composition? What, what are, what, what are we looking for or looking for? Yeah, so meteorites are really exciting because they provide us with an opportunity to study all types of planetary bodies that may not be accessible by spacecraft or that, you know, NASA doesn't have unlimited funds. We can't send a mission to every single asteroid in the solar system. So they give us an opportunity to see what the diversity of different planetary bodies is like. And because they are representative of such old material, they're really a window into the early solar system. Because they have not changed significantly since they were initially formed 4.567 billion years ago, they're like a record of, of the conditions that were going on in the early solar system. And so it gives us an opportunity to understand what the building blocks of, of not only asteroids um, and other planetary bodies were, but also the building blocks for Earth. Ah, so you're looking at the technique of the universe. Yes, exactly. Where we are, you know, looking for clues and deciphering sort of the riddle that was the early solar system. Wow, large. Yeah. But, but you're you're handling this. You're just like, well, to rock. I know. I know. <laughs> okay, this is one of the oldest things in the solar system. Yeah. And you're just like, you know, it's okay. Okay, check this out. I know. Yeah. But you. The, it, well, I wanted it got thrown out my memory here, which is a scary, scary, scary thing. Uh, but don't you um, teach people how to handle meteorites and, and process for for the science? Mm -hmm. And I you're do. one of the trainers. Like, it's like people have to come to you to learn how to do this. I do, yeah. I am an expert in studying these types of rocks and also other samples from planetary bodies like the moon. And, you know, I'm just handling this this way because we're not trying to do any sort of specific analysis on this which would prevent it from being handled with my you know bare fingers or being exposed to the atmosphere but some types of meteorites we want to keep in very specific conditions so that they're not contaminated by uh, what they might interact with here on the surface of earth so we have meteorites that are stored completely under nitrogen gas so they're never exposed to any atmosphere or oxygen in the atmosphere we also have meteorites that have been kept completely frozen uh, to try and preserve some of the really volatile components which might not be stable at temperatures here on the surface of earth but so there are specialized ways that we we do handle some meteorites but this one i use a lot for teaching and so we're able to just pass it around between us but on Earth, Earth's a big place. Can they fall anywhere? They can fall anywhere, uh, but there are some regions on Earth which are better to go look for meteorites than other places. Two of the most common places uh, are deserts. And so there are hot deserts and there are cold deserts. 
Hot deserts uh, include the place where this meteorite was found, which is in Northwest Africa, because you have large swaths of area that are just covered in sand, sand dunes. If you see a big black rock that's sticking out of the sand dune in the middle of nowhere, there's probably only one way that it got there, and that is through falling, um, falling through Earth's uh, atmosphere and coming from space. So that so Northwest Africa is a really popular place to look for meteorites. But the other place are cold deserts, which uh, one of the most popular actually is to go to Antarctica. Mm -hmm. So the National Science Foundation and NASA have a program called the Antarctic Search for Meteorites. And they go every single year down to Antarctica and spend a few months out on the ice and the glaciers in Antarctica for a very similar reason. In that you look out onto a big glacier and you see a big black rock sitting in the middle of it. It probably landed there uh, coming from space. And the benefit of going to deserts is also there's not a lot of rain or precipitation, which might weather the rocks or break them down. And so it's a really great place to preserve the integrity of the samples that uh, that one study in the lab. Uh, so the big question's coming, yeah. Sarah. You, you didn't ask this one. <laughs> yeah, I get to ask any of you on It's really the question you hate. I'm missing the word. There's some more. What will they know? So that's put, but it makes so much sense. And Northwest Africa, be, you know, that makes sense. You might see one sticking mm -hmm. out of that in a sand dune. And Antarctica, area. that makes a lot of sense. What's the likelihood that I have a meteorite in my backyard, in my front yard? So the likelihood is not high, but it's never zero. Okay. Uh, we do find meteorites, you know, just in random places across the Earth's surface. It's just much harder to be able to first tell them apart from Earth rocks. Sometimes that can be challenging. And also, um, it's difficult because the likelihood of it being preserved when there's rain, especially in Indiana, we get snow. There's all these agents that are acting on the sample, which might serve to break it down faster. But, you know, speaking of meteorites in our backyard, there's a very, very famous meteorite, which is called the Lafayette meteorite. Traditionally, meteorites are named after the place that they were found. And that meteorite was named because it was found in a drawer at Purdue University. We have no idea really how it got here, but somebody got it from someone. And uh, it's very exciting because that meteorite is actually from the planet Mars. And it is one of the most beautiful specimens. It is now on display at the Field Museum in Chicago and another piece is at the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. And it carries the Lafayette namesake because it was found here. So but it sounds like a brand that will be found here. Yes, we don't know if it was originally landed in this area, um, but we know that it was found at Purdue. And so the, the closest place of origin that we know is Lafayette. So that's what it was named after. Cool. Now, if I find one, do I have to name it where I find it, or can I name it after myself? You cannot name it after yourself. Traditionally, they are named uh, after the locations that they're found in, sadly. Uh, but if you find it, you know, out here somewhere in the United States, it, it probably would be more exciting than some of the, the meteorites that we find in Northwest Africa or Antarctica, just because these just get letter designations and then a number. So it's like NWA 87412 or something because we know they come from that same general region, but um, not from a specific city or town. But other meteorites are named after, yeah, the towns that they're found in. There's a really famous one called Murchison, which was found in Australia. Um, we have other uh, meteorites from the United States as well that are named after towns all across the U.S. So what are some clues that yeah, go on? my question. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so what are some clues? If I find a rock and I'm like, all right, this is a really cool rock. It can't be from Earth. Yes. Uh, water so close, tell me that it either is or is not. 
Yes. So some of the biggest clues are the presence of this really black, shiny surface on the rock. This is called the fusion crust. And this forms from very, very uh, thin melt layer that forms as the meteorite comes in through the atmosphere. That is clue number one. Uh, clue number two is if it's dense compared to regular rocks, meaning a rock of a similar size from Earth would be a little bit lighter. That's because there are often uh, metals that are included um, as minerals in meteorite samples. Because of those metals, the, the meteorites are also often magnetic. So if you have a magnet and it sticks to the surface of the, um, of the meteorite, that is a potential good sign. Uh, some very common meteorites have these very, very tiny uh, circular features called chondrules in them. And that's very texturally characteristic of, of a certain type of meteorite. So if you're able to break the sample open or see what the inside of it looks like, that's a good clue. And those are probably your first order uh, clues that you're going to look for to decide if this sample is a meteorite. But so what do I see? And I know if I see this, it's definitely. A big one is vesicles or bubbles. So if you see uh what look like void spaces within the rock or or burst vesicles that is extremely uncommon if not impossible to see in meteorites and more commonly that is found in a type of material which is often confused for meteorites called slag slag is a metal byproduct of um of them producing a lot of the different metals that we use in industry and is very commonly found and confused for meteorites because it's heavy, it's magnetic, sometimes it has a really dark surface on it, so it often gets confused for meteorites, but unfortunately, that's the most common mistake that people make. Well, that, like, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's totally understandable. You know, I, if, if I didn't know anything about meteorites, I would probably think that might be a meteorite. And for, yeah. All right. I don't know. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you very much. Of course. Thank you. Beach House Woman Rob Meteorites. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Science from the Experts from Purdue University Superheroes of Science. If you like this episode, subscribe, give us a positive view, and share the love. We're the road.